Hey guys, Reed Goosens here. Now before we dive into today's show, I quickly want to tell you about some exciting things happening in 2018. Now in a few months time, I will be launching my brand spanking new book appropriately titled Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And it is all the best bits from this show transformed into a book. Now, as you are all loyal listeners on this show, we are doing a pre-launch book giveaway. So what you have to do in order to participate in this pre-launch book giveaway is just shoot me an email. It's pretty simple. At info, that's I-N-F-O at readgoosens.com. And in the subject line, you can put the words Kraken book. And in return, I will shoot you back a link where you can go and pre-order your copy of my new book. Now remember, in that link, there will be an area where you can put the code Kraken, C-R-A-C-K-I-N, and that will enable you to get a discount. I want to thank you all for tuning in. The reason why I do this show is because of my loyal listeners, and this is a way of me giving back to you guys by helping you. You can pre-order the book and get it for free before we launch in a couple of months' time. All right, now back into the show. Expectations are really key. I really find this setting expectations um, because there are multiple points of failure in this business. Now, what what, you're, what we're about to do here is very meaningful, right? We're, we're working on a two to three retirement plan, as in you control your time. And once you get there, you can quit and sit on the beach all the time and keep on going. So it's a very, very meaningful goal. It's like, I want to uh, live healthier. I want to quit smoking or, or whatever. It's a very, but it's very hard, right? It's, it's much harder. And so there's multiple points of failure in this process. The problem with this business is, especially for the first deal, it takes a long time to show any kind of success. Welcome to Investing in the US, an Aussie's Guide to US Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today's 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with a guy who's been on my show before, way back in episode 32, and I'm speaking to Mr. Michael Blunk. Since that episode, which has been nearly over 18 months ago, he and I have developed an incredible relationship, and I'm super pumped to have him back on the show to tell us what he's been up to in the last 18 months. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Michael. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Hey, Ray, man. Good to be on the show again. Hey, man. I... I want to just say that you and I have become pretty good mates in the last 18 months since we recorded all that time ago. I've been in your show, you've been on my show. But mate, what have you been up to in the last little while that's, um, you know, for the listeners to, to catch you up to date? Well, yeah, I mean, 18 months uh, in our world is a, is a long time. And uh, both of us have been really busy. Uh, I had a book, have a book out, uh, but uh, we're doing a lot more deals, a lot more bigger deals. Uh, same thing that, that you guys are doing as well. Um, and I think the thing that's most exciting the last 18 months was this, this, uh, the start of this deal desk that we have where we joint venture with people. So with this program where, where people can find the deals and they bring us the deals and then we uh, essentially raise the money for them. And we've done like eight deals like that, totally almost a thousand units at this point. Wow. And it's, it's, it's our primary way of not only uh, acquiring new deals, but also to further my mission, which is to help people do their first deal so they can quit their job. So yeah, that's that's the really exciting thing. And man, for, for people who don't know your story, can you give maybe just a quick snapshot, uh, if they haven't listened to episode 32, where we really covered you know your background, just a quick snapshot of, of where you've come from and really what's what's brought you to today and, and how you've evolved in the last 10, 15 years. You know, I grew up like uh, like most people, uh, taught to get go to go to school, get a you know, good, good grades, get a good job. And that's what I did. I got into computer uh, programming. That was my first job out of college. And uh, I spent some time in America Online and joined a startup in the late 90s and it was the right place, right, right time. And we IPO'd in March 2000 and put a bunch of money in my pocket. And then in 2004, and I, of course, I was, uh, I, you know, I'm the genius, right? And then I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2004 and I was like, oh my gosh, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or what your salary is. It's all about passive income, which was so foreign to me. And I, I decided to just shift gears ent entirely. So I, I quit my job because I had all this money in bank. I was like, oh, I got a runway for the next decade. And my big plan was to get into restaurants because, before you judge me, because I was surrounded by a bunch of uh, uh, burger franchisees, a uh, very successful chain. They're like, oh, it costs this much to open. You hire a guy, they run everything. You sit back and you count your passive income. I'm like, sweet. And then I started flipping houses and, and I took uh, stock and option classes. I went to a apartment building uh, seminar I did all this stuff like at the same time, but my big idea was the restaurants. Well, long story short, uh, eight years later, uh, these, uh, you know, I subsequently lost my IPO fortune through the restaurants, clawed my way out through the real estate thing. The one thing that has kind of been working this entire time, but I really kind of went into it. Um, and we flipped three dozen houses in three years and actually made pretty good money, but, uh, and I got into this apartment building, but it was a lot of work. I was like, man, I, I'm still not covering my expenses. Every time I sell a house, I got to start over again. Meanwhile, this apartment building is sending me, sending me these mailbox uh, checks every month. And I was like, my gosh, I need to maybe do more of that and less of the other. And I started blogging about it. I had to raise money because I had deployed it all and lost it all in the restaurant. So I had to raise money. And I started blogging about this. And one thing led to another. So now we have an educational platform, a coaching program. And, and out of that came this deal desk uh, that, I, that I mentioned earlier. 
That's mate, that is a great snapshot and just really gives the, the listeners a sort of overview of how far you've come. And I think one of the best things I like about you is that you're so honest. Like you're honest about where you've made made mistakes in the in the pizza business or whatever. And you know, in the last probably two years since I've really got to know you, I've really seen you blossom with your brand, the Michael Blunt brand. And you know, kudos to you, dude, because it's 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 coming a long way and you've 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 really evolved as a as a thought leader. So uh so well done. I um I really take my hat off to you. So so awesome stuff. But I want to do get into your book because you're that's what we're here, right? You've just released your new book, uh, and I want to talk a little bit more about the crux of what that is. So for all the listeners who don't know the book, you want to give a little bit of an overview of what it is and how it's going to help them, you know, achieve that financial freedom that you just talked about, but the passive income, like uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad has always spoken about. Yeah, it's called uh, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing for everyone watching the video here. It's a, a bright yellow cover. And, and, and it really is, it does two things. One is my journey to financial freedom has been so unbelievably rocky. It took so long, lost so much time, so much money until I, quote, figured it out. And I, I kind of call myself the crash test dummy of financial freedom because I've done so many things, some successful, uh, some not, some not really the lifestyle I was looking for when I associate with financial freedom. So I, I kind of wanted to share with people the blueprint. And I certainly did not follow the blueprint. I, it took me long to find the blueprint. But the good news is a lot of other people since then have followed the blueprint. That's where I kind of got the blueprint from it, from our students and from other podcast guests. So the first thing is really to educate everyone that, hey, you know what, it's actually possible for you to quit your job with real estate, but maybe not in the way you think. And most people think it's single family houses because that's what everybody does, that's what everybody teaches. Yet, if you actually study this like I did, there's only a very small number of people that actually quit their job with single family houses because it's so hard to do. It's so hard to scale versus with multifamily it's extremely easy. It really is. I mean, I have a dozen case studies in the book and, and all of them have quit their jobs between one and two years from the time they decided, not, not from when they actually did their first deal, from the time they decided and that moment is very clear in their minds, that decision point. And that's incredible. Uh, that, that you can do that from essentially without experience, without your own money to go from where you are now to quitting your job. And that's really, and then the rest of the book is the mechanics of actually doing your first deal. Uh, but someone has to, someone has to get over the fact that, hey, I can do this without any experience and without, any, and without my own cash. And, and once I buy those two things, which is a big if, now I'm ready to listen to how do I actually do this? Yeah. And what's been the biggest mistake, well, not mistake, but what's been the biggest hurdle block that you've seen from students who've come into your sphere in order to try and through this book educate them about getting over those mental hurdles about money about finding deals because so many people start in single family housing and they tr taking that leap is such a big mental jump so how does this book help them get over that and, and maybe demystify a few of the myths out there about you know getting involved in large multifamily yeah i mean when i when i talk about this financial freedom with real estate they go oh you know what yeah that's that's great i've heard that before you know i i i, I love that uh but you know i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna build my portfolio of, of rentals i'm gonna buy one a year uh and then in 10 years once i have the experience and then the money i will then uh, graduate to apartments and that's like that's not a that's not a bad plan that's that's better than most everyone else others plan right but the truth is you don't need a 10-year retirement plan you can actually have a two three-year retirement plan by skipping that. Now, the problem is you got to get over, how do I, I don't have any experience, how do I break into this sophisticated investing? Number one. Number two, I don't have the money. Or even if I have the money, I don't have enough money uh, to, to buy a $2 million building. Or certainly if I have that much money, then I won't have money after that, right? So, so the, the limiting beliefs around experience and money are two things that hold people back. 
And so you have to address those. And the good news is you, know, you can overcome both in very, very short uh, uh, time. No, no, you completely agree. And you know, both you and I have experienced that, um, that short growth factor uh, over such a you know, short period of time to, to, to go out and do it. And I can speak from experience that, that I started with single families like you did. And it's just sort of that, 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 that mental uh, push, I guess, if that means it constantly pushing the envelope and understanding that you're just putting one foot in front of the other. And if you've got the guide like you had with the book, you can really start laying it out and mapping it out. And it's not as um, scary. It doesn't have that mental jump as we were just talking about because but people are so scared of like, oh, I've got to do this over 10 years and blah, blah, blah. And it's sort of the old way of thinking. And what I really love about the book that you um, that you produced and, and, and your, your atmosphere, your sphere, your, your sphere of influence is that you're able to accelerate things and, and sort of 10x the thought process of getting through the next two or three years. It doesn't take you 10 years to retire. It can take you you know, two to five if you do it right with the blueprint. Um, so, so walk us through some of the, the, the major topics that you, you, you talk in the book about this quote-unquote blueprint. Yeah, there's I mean, three, three main I mean, things to take away. One is this, this idea of the law of the first deal. And, and when I first came up, I, I coined it because I, I saw this pattern over and over again in, in my podcast interviews with people. And I was like, huh. And in the beginning, I was like, man, you, you know, go big or go home. Like you should go to the big right away. But what I noticed is that even if someone started with a duplex, they still within one to two years quit their job. So I no longer say that. And there's so much power in that first deal. And the law of the first deal says that if you do a multifamily of any size, you will be financially free in three to five years. Like there's no exception, except for myself, of course, uh, no exception to that, to that rule. And, uh, and that's very powerful because what happens is that first deal is always the smallest takes the longest is the hardest to do. And let's say it takes a really long time, like 12 months to 18 months. Uh, and, and for a duplex, that's an insane amount of time to do a duplex. But there's people in the, even a book, it took them that long uh, to, to do their first duplex. But then what happens, Reed, is that that second deal follows in, in very few weeks after that. Some, and most of the time, it's already under contract before they even close the first deal. Because of the law of a first deal makes you a magnet for new deals and for more money. And so that second one basically happens in rapid succession and happens almost automatically. You'd have to expend more effort not to do the second deal than to do the second deal. And then, of course, the third one follows and you get that in, your, in yours once you do the first deal. And then most people are basically have covered their living expenses with three deals. First one. And the progression normally is, is two, 10, 25, 50 plus. So it doesn't pick your favorite entry point. It doesn't matter where you are, but that's typically a progression. And so the reason that people cover their living expenses is because the deals get progressively larger. So now I've reduced the problematic down to uh, some overwhelming thing. Let's cover your living expenses with 1 million units to, hey, you know what? Let's focus our efforts only on one thing, which is your first deal. What does that look like for you? What are your resources? Who do you know? Uh, where, what experience do you, do you have? Where's your comfort zone right now? And let's design that first deal of any size. It could be a duplex, but it could be a 10 or 50 unit. And then really focusing the effort on just that one thing and forget about everything else. No, I think you, you actually just took the question out of my mouth, which was what has typically been the case study progression? You just sort of said 2, 10, 25, and 50 plus. Is that what you typically see in your case studies in the book? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And have you, I know when we spoke, you came out to LA, I think about a year ago, and we spoke about that you originally thought that it had to be large units, right? It had to be 50 units to, to achieve financial freedom, but you've actually seen people do it with a lot smaller size portfolio. Is that correct? Do you want to talk a little bit about that, you know, the, the, the mindset around that? Because people can then break into that a little bit quicker 
rather than thinking, oh gosh, 10 units, that's such a, sorry, 50 units, that's such a large number. It depends on your situation. If you're, if you have, if you're spending $10,000 a month in your living expenses, uh, your income is going to be higher and you probably have no people with income as well. So for someone like that, buying a duplex, the first deal has to do both meaningful and, and, and achievable. So in that spectrum, the duplex is highly, highly achievable, but not really that meaningful because it's not going to generate close to $10,000 a month. Now, on the other hand, if you're a UPS truck driver like uh, Brooks Everline, his living expenses are $4,000 a month. Well, he did a quad, uh, financed it with hard money, <clears throat> did another quad, and then did a 15-unit, and he was done. All right, these are high cash flowing somewhere out in the middle of where, I don't know where it was, West Virginia or Maryland or something like that. And he was essentially done with three deals, but they were tiny. They were tiny, right? Because his living expenses were, were, were lower. So you, gotta, you have to pick something that's meaningful and achievable. And I would say achievable in the first 12 months. That's in my, give yourself 12 months time to do your first deal. If you do it better than that, that's great. If it's six months longer than that, it's not a big deal. You're on a you know, two to three year retirement plan. No, that's, that's, that's incredible. So what are the, some of the four myths that you talk about in your book um, about, also the four secrets that you talk about in your book about the, 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 the about real estate investing in, in multifamily specifically? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, 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 the one myth is the big one is I need experience. That's myth number. Number two is I need my own money. Uh, and then and number, number three and four are secondary to the first two, but they follow afterwards. How do I analyze deals? How do I do that? Uh, and how do I generate deal flow? Right. And, and those are the kind of the secrets that, uh, that kind of underlie everything. If you, if you can, if, if you can adequately get those four questions answered, you're like, okay, I'm ready for more. I can see how I can overcome these things. Now, maybe the details, um, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't all there. Uh, and now I can educate myself, but man, I can, I can actually see how I overcome this. Stuff. I see the steps getting there and I start to visualize myself doing this. And when people can visualize themselves doing something, they start to believe that they can do something. And that's very powerful because now, now you are you're, you're, you're empowered to start taking action. So, just those secrets are the myths are the inexperience that that people everyone thinks that they need to have a lot of experience. Um, need you need your own money to to fund the deals, the analyzing of the deals, and then people doing you know doing deals today. So, I think that that summarizes some of the big myths around doing the you know bigger and bigger deals. And I know my first large deal was 192 units, and it was a progression over time. Um, so I, I know from experience that I had to look at you know sixty or seventy deals in order to get to that first deal. So what are you seeing? You said twelve months before you your big thing you you talked about is achievable in the first twelve months. So, what are sort of scale the people need to go out and underwrite from a deal point of view to get that first deal done? What are you seeing? Say, let's just take a 25 unit, you know, middle of the road uh, deal. How many deals would they have to underwrite in order to get to that first, what I'd like to call Kraken deal that they mean that can help them on the road to financial freedom? You know, people say right now, it's a very difficult time to find deals. Maybe I should wait this thing out until it corrects and then I'll have access to more deals. Which is a plan, I suppose. Uh, the truth is, though, that there are people doing deals. You're doing deals. We have students doing deals all the time. What's the difference? The difference really is hustle, is how many deals you look at. And so I think for a rough order of magnitude, we tell our, all of our students this up front, lest they be uh, have the wrong expectations. Hey, I made five offers. I didn't get a deal. This doesn't obviously doesn't work or it doesn't work for me. Well, hell, hold on a sec. Five offers. Come on. Right? I mean, anyone in real estate, whether you're a wholesaler or a flipper, Everybody understands at that level, it's a numbers game. For some reason, with multifamily, that law no longer applies, right? Horse manure. Right? So we're, we're seeing you know, a progression where you know, it's basically 100 deals. Uh, you looked at 100 deals and you analyze them. 
right? And it means that you, to some degree, underwrote them. Uh, and then you have 10 LOIs, two under contract, one close. That's, I don't know what you think of that for progression. Uh, seems to seems to be roughly in the order of magnitude. Certainly is not a dozen uh, anal deals analyzed, right? So that's kind of what we're seeing. No, people that do that uh, get, are getting deals done. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's what you said before. It's the expectation on the front end. If you think that it's going to take five, you know, five offers and you're done, you've got the wrong expectation. And I've always thought that this business, like you just said, it takes, if you have the right expectation on the front end, what most people fail at stuff or give up because they have the wrong expectation on the front end. If you think, okay, achieving financial freedom is going to take 12 months, it could, but it may take three years. And if you're saying, okay, let's give myself three or five years horizon and I need to do, you know, underwrite 50, 100 deals a year, um, that's a different mindset and that's a different setting yourself up for more success rather than failure. If you're thinking, okay, I'm going to do it in 12 months and I'm only going to put out 12 LOIs. And uh, some people may do that. Some people may be able to achieve that. But the average person, I can speak from experience that it takes a lot more effort and a lot more hustle, as you said, than just 12 months and 12 offers, right? Expectations are really key. I really find this setting expectations um, because there are multiple points of failure in this business. Now, what, what, you're, what we're about to do here is very meaningful, right? We're, we're working on a two to three retirement plan. As in, you control your time. And once you get there, you can quit and sit on the beach all the time and keep on going. So it's a very, very meaningful goal. It's like, I want to uh, live healthier. I want to quit smoking or, or whatever. It's a very, but it's very hard, right? It's, it's much harder. And so there's multiple points of failure in this process. The problem with this business is, especially for the first deal, it takes a long time to show any kind of success. I wish I had a, you know, seven easy steps to, you know, a million dollars in 30 days. That, that would, I would sell more courses that way. But what I'm doing constantly is, is setting expectations along the way, all the way up front. But even if, if uh, coaching students comes on board, we're constantly knocking down their expectations, like literally knock down, knock down, knock down. Because what happens is two or three months, their enthusiasm wanes. They got all excited. Oh my gosh, now there's nothing really to show for. They have all this activity. The whole thing seems hopeless and senseless and they start becoming discouraged, right? And so, hey, this, I call it apartment investing graveyard, right around the you know, 10 week mark. You need to get through that. Once you get through that, the next one is, hey my gosh, I actually, I actually get a deal on a contract, which is great. And we must celebrate this fact, but not every deal we put on a contract goes to closing. And so there's this conflict between desire to do a deal, the happy years, and, and the actual prudence of doing that deal, right? So especially when you're in a coaching student relationship or in our deal desk relationship, student wants to do a deal, we, we want to do a deal, but we have a lot more experience. We say, you know what, that is not a good deal. Or we discover some issues during, during uh, um, due diligence that we don't like. And now, you know, now the wailing starts. Oh, how dare you take my deal away from me, right? So, and so we have seen people getting washed out by that because they were so emotionally attached to the outcome when they lost sight of the ultimate goal, which is basically to control your time through, through the real estate thing, uh, using apartment buildings, and you're not going to get there with one deal. Uh, and you want to make sure that the first deal is solid. I mean, it, it does you no good to buy a deal that you lose your shirt because there won't be a second deal. So it doesn't make any sense. So it really is all about setting expectations right from the start. And I also think you have to have a really strong why of why you're doing this stuff. And I found that people who have quit are the ones whose current life ain't so bad. These tend to be people that are, you know, have a nice house, have a nice family, they're healthy, they have a high paying job. What problem are you trying to solve? Wow, oh, I don't see myself doing this for the next five or 10 years. I want out. Great. Why do you want out? Why is your life so bad? And if they can't answer that question to the point where, 
failure is unacceptable to them, we find that those people are less motivated to kind of stay the course. Right. And that's that's stay the course as an operator, right? Owner operator. Do those people tend to be better for passive investing in say, say some of the syndications you put together? Could. It could. Passive investing could also be a gateway into, into active investing as well. But uh, passive investing is a, is a great way uh, to get started one, one way or another. And, and some people, that's exactly what happens. They actually are high income earners. They still want passive income, but they find that their priorities don't, or they don't set the priorities to, because this, this is time consuming, as, as you know, you've got to put time into it. Well, if I have a demanding job and I manage a team of 100 people, my gosh, how can I do this on the side, right? So time is a, essentially an, an, an issue. So that's definitely a, a great option for people. Uh, the other option is, is raising money. And, and we've talked about this uh, for a while now, this growing class of a money raiser. These are people who really don't love underwriting deals. They don't really love spreadsheets, but they're people person, person people. And they enjoy raising money for people like you and people like us. And we work with, we joint venture with those and that's all they do is, is raise money. And in the process, they accumulate equity, passive income and long-term wealth, just like the guy or gal who found the deal in the first place. So. What I love about it is there's so many different ways that people can achieve the same goal. No, you're right. And you, you, your book is really focused on the steps and the blueprint. Uh, it's to, to, to going out and finding deals and, and really being wearing the, all the hats. Uh, but there's so many other ways which you can get involved. And in. I personally have come through the school of raising for other people's deals, got the track record, then was able to go out and do it on my own. Um, because when I first started speaking from experience, to underwrite deals, to broker relationships, to have the equity, to all those things. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Plus still working full time and having a family and keeping fit and all that sort of stuff. So it's sort of like, what can I take off the table and partner with someone in order to give my credibility that shot in the arm that it needs? And then all of a sudden you do another deal and you do another one and you're only raising maybe small bits of money. But that's how I, that's how I got started. And now I'm, you know, my now control $70 million worth of real estate. That's personally. So there's other ways, and I guess that's what I'm trying to get at, is that your book is such a great way and a blueprint, but you know, it's also you have an opportunity in your, in your ecosystem to do other little bits and pieces of, of the puzzle which needs to come together because syndication raising on particularly large deals is a lot of bloody work. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good point. But even as a passive investor, even as a money raiser, you have to know the mechanics. You don't have to know all the details, but you need to know a property management, due diligence. Uh, you need to know the closing process, right? So, so even if you're a money raiser, or even if you're a past investor, man, you really know, you need to know the assets that you're either investing in or that you are asking others to invest in as well. So uh, you may not have to go to the level of detail, but you got to know what you're talking about. And the good money raisers do, as you, as you know, they've, they've all educated themselves. They all went to courses, mine, someone else's, you know, they all know what they're talking about. And, and that's, that's the thing, right? They come through your ecosystem, they read the book and they, they realize that it can, and you talk about the people who fall off the bandwagon a little bit, they realize maybe they're better suited for a capital raise in point of view. They're not, they're, they understand the, the total business, but they don't want to get, as you said, don't want to get involved in the spreadsheets or they don't want to get involved in negotiating with the property manager, whatever it might be. They may just be good at that one little piece. And I see a lot of people evolving that way and, and still maintaining a healthy lifestyle without having to you know, work 70 hours a week at your current job and then work another 70 hours a week you know, trying, to make, trying to make a deal work. So, um, but, but, but really, really awesome stuff, mate. So what's, what's been the biggest success for you? Um, and, and I already know probably the answer, but what's been the biggest success for you since releasing the book um, uh, in the last couple of months? What, what is your answer, Reid? I don't, I don't, I don't... Uh, my, my answer for, for, for you would be that I think it's 
it's a culmination of your years and years of of of, of experience into a, a, a handheld size notebook, essentially that can be summarized and people can get such a lot of value out of it. So you putting your heart and soul into what you've been doing and creating in the last 10 years is now summarized in this book. And I think that's bloody fantastic. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, it is. Because before it was in a bunch of blog posts and this, and it was in my, in my brain and it was all over the place. And now I say, hey, you, you want to know what we're all about? Just read that book, you know, and let and get back to me with, with, with questions and, and how, how we can help. And it does, it is all one succinctly in one place there. And so it, it, as a result, it took me a long time. It took me about a year to write this thing and then eight months to actually launch it. So it is, it is, it was, it's quite the, quite the work. My first book and, and it's apparently like the first deal, it's always the hardest, takes the longest to do. Uh, <laughs> people say, oh yeah, I, I'm sure you're already writing on your next book. No, I'm not writing on the next book. <laughs> I, I need to take a break right now, right? So You need a ghostwriter, man. I, I tell you what, the, I, I'm not a writer either. And I've been writing my book for two years and I, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work, but um, so, so where does the future, what does the future hold for you, mate? What, what, what's the next sort of, you've released this book, you've got this ecosystem, you've got the deal desk. It seems like all the ecosystems coming together. What is your goal for the next, the short-term goal for, goal for maybe the next 12 to 24 months for, for Michael Blunk? I think the, the one word for me is scale. Just scale. I, 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 I mean, I, it looks like and there was a time when I, I needed another program because of feedback. And I'm not saying when I'm putting a new program out, but I think right now it's just simply getting, reaching more people. There's so many people who go to their you know, local real estate meetings every single month. And I used to be one of them. So many of them who are uh, misguided, both on what they think they can get through single family houses and what they think they know about apartment buildings. Yet they're there all because they want to quit their jobs. Um, and I just want to get the message out to, to more people and impact more people. I just think read, and I see it with, you know, with, with you and, and other people who control their time is when you control your time, it opens up your brain to other things, to bigger things. I mean, if you're working 50 plus hours, I mean, you're just, your mind is full with work and then family, if you're lucky. And if I try to have a conversation with you about living a life of purpose or passion, you're like, Mike, what are you talking about, dude? I mean, I, there's no more room in my, in my brain. On the other hand, people who control their time, they have this vacuum in their brain. I see it with some of my coaches who, who are you know, recently full-time uh, investors, and they, they has, they're, in a, they're in, a, in a state of confusion. They're home at 2.30 in the afternoon, and their wife's like, what are you doing here? And they don't know what to do with themselves. So what they do, read is they, they, they go on vacation. They're constantly on vacation. It drives me uh, batty. But then after a while, because I've been there, it starts getting a little boring, and you start asking yourself, is there anything else? Uh, what should I be doing in my, in my life? Because there's this vacuum in your brain, and most my observation is most people who are faced with this quote problem is they start thinking bigger, not only for themselves, but more importantly for others. And, 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 and they figure out how, how they can serve humanity in some way. And so this is really behind the whole thing about financial freedom is how can we get more people to serve humanity when it's really hard to do when you're working 50 plus hours and you're really providing for your family. No, that's, you bring up a really good point because I think that is ultimately, I definitely struggled with it, um, you know, trying to, that, that, that adage of being busy just to be busy and not effective, if that makes sense, because you're like, oh, I'm used to working 60 hours a week and I'm, I'm home at 2.30 in the afternoon. What am, I, what am I doing? Do I go to the gym again? I've already been, you know, like, what do you, what do you, what do you do in that spare time? And I think it's, it's, a, it's allowing yourself to have the mental calmness and it takes time. It doesn't just happen overnight to be like, I know I'm still being effective and maybe I don't need 10 hours a day to be effective. Maybe I can be effective in three right? And when the rest of the day I can spend with the kids or whatever you might. And then, so then that you, you ask that question of what's the purpose in life. So I'm going to turn the tables. 
What is now your purpose in life now that you've been through the hurdles, you've built this incredible ecosystem? What's your purpose? What makes you tick and get out of bed every morning? Yeah, I think it's really in this book. It's it's helping other people become financially free. I I, I think I think your purpose in life does change in, in, in seasons. I mean, my purpose in life, you know, 15 years ago, I don't know. I think maybe I didn't have a purpose in life 15 years ago, right? And and it and and, and this is my purpose now. Who knows what it'll be in 10 years from now? But the, uh, there was a major shift for me uh, during the restaurant crisis where uh, it, it became very clear to me that it's not about me in many different ways. Uh, it's not about me at all. I don't control things anymore. And whatever I need to do needs to impact others. It can't just impact me. And by, by me, I mean my family, which sounds selfless, but it's not really at all. Uh, it needs to impact others. And that was a major shift for me. And I would say ever since that, that uh, realization, uh, things have turned around. Uh, just everything kind of turned, turned around for me. And so I think my mission right now is, is really to impact the world and helping people become financially free. And my tool for choice is real estate or, or apartment building. So you know, I, I would say I don't have a specific number, but you know, number of getting uh, helping thousand people become financially free it sounds like a good number. And what's really cool, we're doing this, you know, I mean, to various degrees for three and a half years or now. Now, some of those people that signed up early on, they're starting to now quit their job, and that's like so cool, right? So cool. Right. And that's um, the juice, right? That's the juice that makes that it. That is just uh, it's amazing. Where they do their first deal, you know, you're, yeah, you're only about a year away from those guys quitting a job, and now a handful of people who are right on the cusp. They're a little scared now. They already have the, the income, but they're like, not sure. Should I actually cut the cord? Should I stay on a little bit longer? And uh, that's really cool to me. And that's that's really what gets me out of the bed every morning. That's awesome. And, and I've also known to be as entrepreneur and entrepreneur. That's what essentially you're, you're, you're educating. You're educating people to be entrepreneurs and take control of their life. But I also, I hear you when you say, when you first get started in this business, it's it's sort of financial freedom. That's that's the that's the goal, right? And then as time progresses, this old adage of what are you going to be in ten years' time, or what's your goal in ten years' time? I say to people when they ask me that now, I, don't, I have no bloody idea, but I'm going to work as hard as I can the next two years and see what doors open, right? And I think that's what you know you've evolved to as well. Like back in the pizza day, it was sort of like that blinkered look of I need to be here in X amount of time. Now it's opening up to be a little bit more aha, like what doors can I open that's going to help me fulfill my life and help fulfill others, right? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I used to be a big believer in 10-year goals and five-year goals and one-year goals. And I'm like, ah, I don't, I, I'm a very structured goal-oriented kind of guy, but I'm with you a little bit. You know, I, I, I just do the next thing, like I think I need to do. And, and all of a sudden I get there and it opens up other doors. That I, there's no way I could have seen that even sometimes six months prior, you know, but looking back, you know, maybe I looked like a visionary about this whole you know, deal desk or like, no, it was just, I did one thing. And then someone said, Hey, what about this? And I said, Oh, let me figure out how to do that. And then I do that. Uh, and you, I don't know. So the 10 year plans, I don't know, you know, uh, I don't know how useful that is, but I think you're right. And, and, and I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by that. And as a result, really don't do anything because the 10 year goals are so overwhelming. They're like, even the 10 X thing sounds great on paper, but 10 X, you add a zero to what you're doing now. I mean, I mean, yes, I get the exercise. It, it stretches your comfort zone and, and it exposes your limits. But other than that, it's not really useful to me, right? What's more useful to me is just taking action. I know what I need to do next. Why don't I just do that? And when I do that, magical things happen. All of a sudden, then I do that. Now, it seems a little reactive, but I'm not being reactive. I am being proactive. I'm doing stuff, but I'm not being overwhelmed by all the things I need to do over the next five to 10 years. Yeah. No, I think that's it's sort of throwing caution to the wind a little bit because- a little bit. You know, you're not you're not in that. We've been told you have to have ten year plans. By the time you're forty, you're X, and below fifty, you're this, you're all this sort of stuff. And 
this is where like being an entrepreneur is a new black, right? Being the bread maker, the candlestick maker, all these different little things. And we, we, you and I happen to have chosen real estate. But I think also looking from an outsider into what you're creating, you're also really creating a... Um, uh, nearly like a tech, nearly like, again like a tech company with the deal desk and the the, the 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 book and 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 everything's feeding off each other and and that's just such a fantastic foundation to grow and help more people, right? Because you have all the systems in place in order to stretch, you know, and reach more people around the world and get to that thousand thousand people helping a thousand people goal, which we spoke about earlier. What I want to quickly end the show on is, I noticed in uh, in some of the, you know the first. For all the advice out there that you can give to listeners about what can they do in the next 30 days to change their course and, and, and for the next five years? What, what's, what's sort of the number one tips that you can maybe walk people through in the next 30 days? Clarity. They need to create clarity. And uh, gosh, we talked about this at our mastermind in, in New York where an unnamed person, I told them, the very successful person, was bumbling a bit about their goals. And, uh, and uh, that was funny to me. Yeah, yeah. And I interviewed another a person who was very f- famous and, uh, and shelter named Laneless. And I asked him a similar question. I can't believe I asked him this question. He was kind of bumbling about his goals as well. And, and, I, and I know when I wasn't clear about my goals, I, it was always a struggle. Um, versus when I had great clarity, things happen almost magically. Like it's hard to explain. And I, I've, see, I've, been, I've been trying to study people. So why, do, why are some people successful slash take action and others don't? Or they start taking action and fall off. And I think it's because uh, not only have they, have they, they have not created clarity, and because of that, they haven't truly decided what they wanted. So in the example of someone signs up for a $25,000 coaching program, why gosh, they must have really been committed. Not so. They actually are not clear what they want. They just felt like it was the right thing to do, but they don't have great clarity. They have not decided that they want to change their life because their, their, their life is not so, so right. So I'm, I'm a bit out there, but what I'm saying is become really clear on what you want. Because if you're very clear on what you want, everything will fall in place. Like it's, not the, it's like the Gary Keller, the one thing. What's the one thing you can do that makes everything else uh, unnecessary or a lot easier? And that is clarity. Because if you're very clear what you want and you've decided that your current life, you cannot be in the same place this time next year. If, if you've decided that, there can be no other plan. And the universe is going to give that which you've already decided to be true. And so anything else will be incongruent with what you've already decided. And versus if you have not decided, you're not clear about that, then you're going to waffle. Right, right. No, I think that's, that's so true. Clarity and being clear on the direction in which you're going in life. Now, that can be hard to do that, right? Because so many people, as you just said, oh, I've got to sign up for a $25,000 course. I, I think I have to do this because you're going to spoon feed me all the answers. And that's sort of, I assume that you'd have sort of, you know, interview questions before they come into your sphere, but you can get dive deeper into terms of their clarity and help them, you know, see the future. Yeah, but the question is how do you get clarity, right? And, right. and, and, and some people have to, uh, have to have a, lose a loved one or they have a, a health crisis themselves. Uh, other times it's some kind of other event. Or, and, the, and then, you know, is that really necessary, right? And it's, it's, it rattles people's cages and they start waking up and they go, my gosh, what's really important to me in my life? Uh, but wouldn't it be great to be more proactive about that? Do I have to wait till one of my loved ones passes away or I get a heart attack, right? Um, and I think the people who do that, uh, if I study that more, they have a cycle of reflection uh, they're constantly working on raising their self-awareness and seeing what they like, what they don't like, what their values are, uh, 
and in, in that what, what their goals are as well. So if you want to be more proactive about that, it, that's really what it comes down to is coming to a more of a cycle of self-reflection and raising your level of awareness. That's, and that's, that's incredible. And I know that I can hear in your voice that through interviewing people, you've become more clear in your goals, I, w- I would assume, because you can see and looking backwards. And as you said, oh, you're, you're this visionary of creating all these things, but you've actually gone through the steps and the hoops to make sure that you can look back and have that clarity now that where you're sitting here today in 2018, you can be very clear. Yeah, and another thing that's helped me, I did this about two and a half years ago, is uh, implemented the Miracle Morning uh, written by Hal Elrod. Uh, and I've always struggled with my morning routine. I didn't really know what to do with myself. Um, and, and Hal in his book uh, really kind of talks about, you know, what you do in uh, 30 minutes, 60 minutes in your, in your morning. And that's really made a material difference because it forces you to be, to be silent and quiet. And you can use it for reflection, for praying, for reading, for journaling, for visualizing. These are all the things he talks about. You don't have to do all of them in one morning. I might be, you know, tired just, you know, from that 60 seconds. But, but if you do that every single morning, it really, it really, I mean, if you reflect back in your day of what going on in your day, I mean, if you, no one does that. But if you were to do that, my gosh, it raises your, your self-awareness about others around you and about yourself. And you do that every single day. And I'm not a big journaler, but every time, you know, I do it, it's very helpful for me. And it brings things to the foreground. And, and that's the, the thing is you want to bring things to the foreground. You don't want to be under the, you know, latent somewhere, a subconscious. It's got to be in the foreground. You've got to be able to articulate that. Uh, which which is important to you. So that was one particular thing that, that I started relatively uh, recently. And and I want to get into that, but um, so is that the number one habit you you practice now to keep on track towards your goals? Yeah, that and uh, and then the one thing like Gary Keller where he talks about I don't know what the words he uses, but really uh, um, protecting your your calendar. So um, you know, identifying he always talks about one thing. In my mind, it's always three things. What are the three things I need to do today for today to be a success what are three things this week i want to do what are three things in the next 30 days 90 days and then uh scheduling a time in your calendar to actually uh actually make progress to that because in my world as in yours i'm so busy i got podcast interviews i got a deal coming in i have 10 you know i have i have emails that you wouldn't believe right and so if i did, did all that i would never get anything done at all i'm just reacting 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 so i block off mostly on thursdays i have a like four hour stretch and I do my three things essentially in four hours because I'm uninterrupted. There's no phone calls. No one knows where I am. I'm like, you know, tucked away. And I actually actually achieve those, those, those three things. And now, my gosh, now I can continue going back, putting out fires. So I think those, those two in the morning and then really uh, protecting your time around your, your, you know, one thing is really, really important. What's been the... Um, what's now your number one tool, whether it be software or hardware, that you use in your business to help you, you know, keep track of your calendar and be focused on that time blocking uh, in order to control your time moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it used to be Gmail, uh, and it's still Gmail right now. And I use a couple of tools in there. Uh, Boomerang is one of them, um, and um, you know, and, and that makes it. You know, if you send an email, for example, and you ask, I ask you to reply to something. And I give you two days to reply and you don't reply in two days. Well, Boomerang puts it back in my inbox and I can say, hey, read, I'm going to kick you in your shins. You don't get back to me right now. But otherwise, I would never know that you never responded to that. Now, because we're getting a more of a team environment, this is something that you guys might consider as well uh, for due diligence and other things. We use, we're starting to use a lot uh, a Monday.com a project management uh, tool. It's a project management, uh, a little bit like Slack in the same, in the same way. So we have an entire uh, team on that now. 
it's a bit of a learning curve to understand how to use it because it's so flexible. It's like, it's hard to describe, but now we're using it for literally everything. It is, I mean, every, every time somebody's do anything, it's going to be somewhere on Monday. <laughs> and and it, it does make it a lot easier. So you don't have these giant emails. You have distinct threads with status due dates and a thread on, on discussion for that item. And so that's probably in the last uh, two months, uh, something that we've added to the mix. That's awesome. Monday.com, I'll have to check that out. I have not used that before, but all Boomerang I'm on and all the other good stuff. Mate, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people reach you to get their hands on the book, to get more, understand more about what you are, what you do, and just be more in the Michael Blanc sphere? Sweet. Yeah, the website is uh, themichaelblank.com. That's T-H-E, Michael, B-L-A-N-K.com, or just type my name in, or apartment building investing, and I should be on page one of Google. Um, and I have you know, a YouTube channel, I have a podcast, I have blog articles, I have a free ebook you can download if you want. And then the, the book, again, is Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing, probably backwards. Um, <laughs> Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing, uh, and that's on Amazon. It's a bright yellow cover. And I'm sure people just type in your name, Michael Blunk and Google, a lot of things are going to come up, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, mate, thank you so much for being on the show today. I just want to quickly summarize some of the big takeaway points, the cracking items or the cracking pieces of advice that you've given me. And I think the, the real big thing is, is um, meaningfulness and achievable with your first deal. I think that's really important. It's, you've got to be meaningful and you've got to have be achievable in the first 12 months. And, and the last thing that I think I took away from today's show, uh, today's conversation is clarity. Clarity on your goals in order to help you achieve that or progress towards that financial freedom. And it sounds like you've experienced a lot of people who aren't clear, including yourself, and I'm, 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 uh, I'm guilty as well. But being clear on your goals uh, really helps you define the path uh, moving forward. Um, did you want to add anything else to that before we jump? Nope. That's it. That was a great summary read. Mate, well, again, thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Hey, Reed, thank you so much for having me on our show. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice and actionable steps. Remember to check out themichaelblunk.com or any of the show notes, uh, or certainly the, the links we did mention on today will be up on the show notes at my website at reedgoosons.com. So I want to thank you all for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial freedom because that's what we're all about here on this show. We're going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe. And remember, happy investing.